0: Anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest, I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel and this week I want to talk about something I've been thinking about recently, which is a big challenge for our profession as we go forward. Um, Really, I would say in the last eight years, there's been a big shift in the acupuncture profession, especially in North America and Canada, um, more toward the orthopedic assessment and treatment of motor points and trigger points for for pain and mobility. So um, as more of us are using these techniques, What we will find is that we're getting great results and our patients want to refer their family members in other states and cities to somebody who does a similar treatment. And then we have a real challenge because if we don't know somebody already in that state or city where they want to refer somebody, then We want to help them find somebody because we know if they just Google, you know, um, Miami and acupuncture, they're going to come up with a whole lot of people. And maybe none of them are going to be using a similar methodology. So we need to help them. And we end up searching for multiple Random keywords like Miami acupuncture, orthopedic, sports acupuncture, trigger points, motor points, dry needling, neurofunctional acupuncture, um, just to find somebody that can help them. And then if you look on if you if you search like sports acupuncture, you might get somebody who does like to work with athletes, but maybe everything they do is from a TCM model. So they're doing moxa and cupping and na, and no motor points or no trigger points. So, um, good for them, good for their patients who love them, but that's not what you were looking for, for your patient's, um, mother, for instance. So we have a problem because we don't really have common terminology. So, um, And, you know, because a lot of people are being um, referred for dry needling by their physical therapist or their doctor, even um, they're looking for someone who does dry needling and dry needling, as you know, is just like a subset of acupuncture. I mean, the stuff that those of us who work with pain patients do is is more predominantly with electric stimulation, acupuncture on motor points. And then occasionally um, trigger point dry needling for the stuff that's not really releasing. So that's probably like twenty or thirty percent of the patients. I mean, if it's a chronic pain patient, it's almost certainly there's going to be trigger points involved. But you know, we're all getting uh, people at all different levels of of pain. Many of them are athletic and young, and they don't have trigger points. They just we just need to correct the movement pattern and you know work on inhibited muscles, release tight muscles, get them going. So we don't really want pain patients to have to find us by searching dry needling in our area, right? I mean, if you if you search dry needling in Buffalo, New York, you're going to find me because Dan Dominguez and I are like the only show in town doing dry needling and and putting it on our page because we're not afraid of those terms. But like I said, that's just a subset of what we do. And I really don't want somebody who I I love when people find me because they're looking for somebody for pain and they've, they've used the term dry kneeling. I'm fine with that. But I want the patient. Eventually I want the patient population, the, the person who is in pain in front of their Google search window. I want them to know more. I want them to know better what they actually wanted. And I would love it if they were searching for something more like, you know, motor point acupuncture or even if they were just searching like orthopedic acupuncture or something like that. We don't have a common term. And the problem, one of the biggest problems that we face is sort of um, that we have people with like sort of a a proprietary um, feeling about about what they teach so you have different teachers from all over in Canada and the United States who who use a terminology that kind of represents a whole system of acupuncture from a from the assessment to treatment and because they kind of hold on to that as theirs they've given it a specific name that they only want their students with certificates to use and that wouldn't be a problem except that all of the styles that we all use are basically cumulative um styles based on things that have gone on for many many years and you know these we have the doctors from canada um like uh Joseph Wong and C. Chan Gunn and Bill Craig from Helms Institute. These, a lot of these doctors who were the first to to stimulate motor points with acupuncture and sometimes with electric stimulation, and then you you have like Alejandro Elorriaga, who's who's uh, created the McMaster program and is still there, and he kind of. He you know, definitely came from that school, from the Helms guys who were only teaching doctors at the time. And uh, because he was a doctor from Spain, he was able to learn that, I'm sure. And and then he developed his own approach. And then they call that neurofunctional acupuncture. And C. Chan Gunn called his intramuscular stimulation. And Joe Wong called his uh, neuroanatomical acupuncture. Um, and... So you've got all these different people who kind of, you know, labeled what they do, but then as we all, you know, sort of grow together as a profession, we need more generic terms that are not specific to the person who teaches it, you know? So it ends up being kind of an interesting dilemma. Um, I came out of the world of, of um, computers and technology. I got my first computer jobs in in the mid nineties when the internet first started, and then um, I kind of worked my way up through um, internet startups. Ended up in Silicon Valley and then back in New York, and and um, worked for a lot of big companies and companies that had big clients, and I supported um, you know servers and data center and data centers and replication and disaster recovery, troubleshooting, IT management. I, did a, I had a lot of different technology jobs with a lot of responsibility and a requirement for in-depth knowledge of, of the systems in order to troubleshoot and fix things quickly. And in my experience with technology, um, I was exposed to the concept of open source software and in the world of so in the world of technology everything you know sci- um, servers are licensed like microsoft or apple or ho- whoever your your um, server operating system was was developed by would have a license that you'd pay for and you you would pay for the server and you pay per seat and connection to the server et cetera. and if you ran out of connections you might some people might not actually be able to connect um that's how they were managing all of that it's very expensive very expensive to run a business um, from a technology perspective. And the, because of that, a lot of people in the software world um, developed open source software where they didn't charge anything and they gave you free access to their code. And you could download their applications or their server systems or whatever it was that they were developing. And then people would would add their own um, code and update things and create new, new device drivers for different printers or different new technology that was coming out. And then they would share that information online for free. And everybody was working together and they created some of the most secure operating systems that way. Because when everyone has access, that means people who know how to hack have access, and they could go in, find the loopholes, find the weaknesses, and and fix them, and then upload the fix. and And it became, I mean, it's uh, some of the most stable operating systems that a, that a company could run are actually usually available um, as open source software. Usually, the Linux systems um, are the most stable, the most secure, and free. And of course, you know, when it's free, you don't get support. You don't get software support. You got to know what you're doing. But that's the trade-off. You get um, these amazing platforms that have been developed by some of the smartest people in the world and added to and corrected and updated. And it's just a great, great system. And then the proprietary guys are always, like, cribbing off of that stuff. And they'll... They'll, they'll buy, they'll take the code. They'll, they'll do something else proprietary. They, then they charge you a lots of money for it. It's really difficult. And, you know, you could even get audited uh, for not using the right licenses or whatever. If you're a company using like Microsoft licenses that are, that you didn't pay for. Um, so the whole point is um, I come out of that world of the concept of open source and that is It's how I feel about how um, we should be in the world of orthopedic acupuncture. So those of us who are using methodologies um, that were based on um, orthopedic testing that physical therapists, physiotherapists are using and motor points that electromyographers are using. And, um, you know, basically uh, the science that, that medical doctors are using, for, you know, using electric stimulation for neuromodulation, do, doing uh, surgical implants of electric stimulation um, for, for blocking pain or improving motor function for things like pelvic floor, all of that stuff, um, we're, we're cribbing off of that. So it's really counterproductive for us to try to claim it and own it Um, I have had a lot of um, let's say um, I've I've received a lot of heat from particular people in the acupuncture world who teach um, motor points and been accused of of stealing proprietary information or um, intellectual property. And even recently when I was in Sydney, this person was um, um, basically harassing the host from China Books and saying that she needs to send my slides so that he can be sure that I'm not teaching his material. Now, just for those of you who don't know me or never been to any of my seminars um let me just tell you what i t- you know, basically everyone else knows which is that i'm completely transparent about every single thing that i teach and most of the assessment that i teach comes from the prog school guys uh, vladimir yanda carl levitt and um kolar and and i'm completely transparent about it. and i talk about Vladimir Yanda and what does Vladimir Yanda say about the sensory motor system and what does he say about upper cross and lower cross syndrome about tonic and phasic muscles and how we should assess and treat um, I'm completely uh, upfront with that and then if we're talking about myofascial slings and proprioception and SI joint stabilization and all of that then I'm giving Andrew Vlaming um, credit for that because his work is is brilliant and really relevant for uh, orthopedic treatments and understanding how proprioception can you know helps motor control and all of that i i give credit to every single doctor who discovered these things and when it comes to motor point location not only will i show people that you can find motor points almost anywhere on the muscles i give you know i use dr aldo perotto's book as a reference i i point people to it because it's such a great reference it was created for electromyography but it's safe Locations of motor points for the muscles that you need to treat, and he even gives really good guidance on, you know, if you go too deep, you're in this muscle; if you're too superficial, you're in this muscle, this muscle, etc. But you know, I pretty much um, tell everybody where I got what I'm using. And if we're talking segmental, we'll talk about um, what C. Chen Gunn says. If we're talking about trigger points, I'll, I'll talk about what Janet Travell says, and. Um, I'm pretty, you know, really, I, I want to give people the references so that they can do their own research. But I don't crib off of any other acupuncturist out there who's teaching, because frankly, I'm not that interested in a blended TCM model. It's not of any interest to me to use herb pattern diagnosis and mix it with a western orthopedic assessment and treatment i'm just not that interested i'm not that into it and I, you know so it's kind of crazy but um having people um want to try to own that information when i think you could say that the chinese own uh, TCM, like the, you know, the Chinese masters and the, the writers of the classics, they own that. Okay. But they're not going to sue you if you use it. And, um, as far as motor points go, you know, those were discovered in the 19th century by a, a neurologist named Duchenne and he, and he started putting, you know, electric stimulation in muscles and making them move. And they discovered that the nervous system works on voltage and then all these other doctors cribbed off of his information and started mapping out motor points all over the body out throughout the throughout the late 19th century into 20th century and then of course electromyographers use it for nerve conduction testing and this has been going on for you know for a long time and so nobody nobody in the acupuncture world discovered motor points and the ones who started using motor points um, for treatment were the guys from, that I mentioned from Helms Institute, uh, C Chan Gun and and Joseph Wong, and that was way back. We're talking 60s and 70s. Okay, so and they weren't teaching it to acupuncturists. The Helms Institute still will not teach acupuncturists. So um, you know that information um, slowly moved over to um, acupuncturists. Like McMaster is teaching acupuncturists now, and. I've studied with two people who were um, at McMaster and so that, you know, this information has now come into our community and we should embrace it and not try to own it or try to tweak it and name it something specific and then try to um, hold onto it and not share it unless you pay thousands of dollars. So I'm, I'm all about open source because this information is really, is really important. For helping people and and you know not holding it close to our chest but helping other acupuncturists to get excellent results for their patients because that's how we will cross over into being respected by western medicine like the doctors will start coming to us for information when they find out that we know how to do things like neuromodulation without having to implant things surgically. When we they know that we need to we can regulate tissue um, for shortened tight muscles that they might have to do surgery to release. And they will come to us when they see that we can get an inhibited muscle firing after an injury that's causing neuromuscular inhibition in the muscle that we can do that they'll start coming to us but we're not going to get there if we all try to label everything with our own specific terminology and then the patient doesn't even know how to find us because they don't happen to know that you have your your fancy name on the treatment and now they don't even know how to find you on google We need common terminology and we need to share our information. And I share, I share, I mean, I, I give, I think I'm giving every, every bit as much on this on these podcast episodes as I do in a course that people pay for. I'm giving relevant information because it can possibly help people. It can help people who are in pain. I want practitioners to be successful And mostly, I want them to be successful so that they can help more people. It's all about helping people not be in pain. If you've lived with pain, you're in the same boat. You know what I'm talking about. If you haven't lived with pain, you might be a little baffled by what I'm even talking about because you don't know how pain affects the quality of a person's life. But when you have lived with pain, you know that what you're doing for that person is incredibly important. It changes not only the quality of their life, it changes the life of everyone that that person interacts with on a regular basis. Anybody who's been in pain knows it makes you miserable, cranky, antisocial, unable to sleep. It's a really bad thing situation it it changes your personality it changes what drives you in your day if everything you do is to to work on the pain that you're living with you are completely unfocused and unable to do anything else when you get that person out of pain it changes their personality it changes their relationships it frees them up to go out and be social. It lets the person that, that they live with go out and be social because they don't have to stay home because that person is miserable. So that's what, that is what everything is about. And I have patients. I, I treat patients so I see the people who are benefiting from using an orthopedic assessment and treatment based more on things like Vladimir Yanda and Carl Levitt, Janet Travell. And that is my, that is really, you know what I get out of bed for, and I'm going to continue sharing that information. And if people want to complain about that and they think that somehow I'm sharing their secrets, you know, that's not going to be my problem because I'm completely transparent about what I teach and where I learned it. And I don't take it, I have not taken anything that I teach from any other teacher, educator, that's teaching motor points and acupuncture in in anywhere in the world. I learned it from studying the work of these doctors. And you too can do that. And I point you right to it. So that said, what is going to be our open source terminology? I don't really know yet. I'm not, I'm not clear about the best way to represent what we say, but I can tell you what I don't like. Um, I don't like calling it sports acupuncture. Why? Because some of the, most of the people who have chronic pain are over 50, do not identify as athletes, are not interested in sports. They want pain relief. And if you put sports acupuncture on your website, you're going to get lots of young people who resolve quickly and it'll make you feel really good, but you're not serving the people who most need us, the people with chronic pain who are not as easy to treat in one treatment and get them better. And those are the older people who have been living with chronic pain. It could be post-surgically, it could be post-accident, like auto-accident. It could be a lot of different things. Even just aging can, you know, be difficult on the body. So I don't want to call it sports acupuncture. It puts those people off. I know that from from their feedback. Um, I I I put motor point acupuncture just because that's what what it actually is treating motor points. Um, I'm not I'm not necessarily married to that term. If there's a better term that we could use, I don't think orthopedic acupuncture is a good choice only because I think that the governing body in the United States doesn't want us to use that term um, unless you've had a specific orthopedic um, degree. They don't like that term. So I don't want to get people in trouble using the term orthopedic acupuncture. Um, there's a bunch of terms that have come out of these different schools and different educators that I'm you know, obviously not going to use. So we get kind of stuck now. We can't really use electric stimulation acupuncture because it does not differentiate us from the people who use Eastim acupuncture on acupuncture points. And while there has been some, you know, agreement that many acupuncture points fall on motor points, treating motor points alone is not necessarily going to correct a problem, um, you have to do an assessment. You need to know which muscles to treat to treat pain. And if you're just treating based on a meridian system, well, you might get lucky, but you might not. So, you know, f- like for, you know, the one that we we often talk about is like anterior shoulder pain. It can come from the infraspinatus. It could come from, uh, the muscles that attach to the humerus at the intertubercular sulcus, like the pec major or the teres major or the lats. So if you have somebody who has anterior shoulder pain when um, doing arm, you know, shoulder flexion, raising their arm in front of them, it could be coming from those muscles that attach there. So like the lats could be causing shoulder pain when they raise their arm, um, or definitely restriction, and or the teres major could be causing pain, the pecs. So, so putting needles into the large intestine meridian and putting electric stim is not necessarily going to be helpful because you haven't. You're going by where the pain is rather than where the dysfunction is, and you know what Carl Levitt would say: "He who treats the site of pain is often lost." Um, we don't want to be lost. So we need good orthopedic assessment to know where to put the needles. And, and I think to distinguish ourselves from all of the, you'll see tons of research on treating knee pain. And, you know, they're doing Shi, Yan, and they're doing, you know, like uh, stomach 35, um, spleen 9, um, spleen, uh, spleen 10, stomach 36 crossing, you know, electric stim, doing electric stim, like crisscross across the joint, you know, sometimes they're going to get lucky because maybe it's only coming from the quads, um, even though they're missing the most important one that gets tight, which is the rec fem, the rectus femoris, right down the middle. Um, but if they're getting the vastus medialis, vastus lateralis, maybe they get lucky. Maybe, maybe they knock down the pain by like, 30 percent 50 percent but what you know if their if their knee pain is actually coming from a tight gracilis they're not getting that if they're if their lateral knee pain is being caused by it band issues from the tight tfl glute min weak glute medius not getting that completely missing that so we need to distinguish ourselves based on what we do for assessment, not just treatment. Cause if you, if you took a photograph of, of me treating, you know, what my knee treatment looks like and what someone doing a TCM approach looks like, they might look almost similar, you know, cause you've got the quads firing, you've got, you know, you, you, you might do something with tib anterior soleus, something it might look close, you know? So from the, you know, just the view you don't know the, the difference the, the huge difference though is your your uh, reasoning behind where you chose those points because like if you're tr- if you're treating knee pain as as just like an issue of the spleen and stomach meridians um, you' you're probably not going to get the same result as as someone who actually realizes that a lot of that problem starts at the hip. And it might even be partially hamstring causing quad dominance, et cetera. If you know the reason for that knee pain, if it's lateral knee pain, you might not even need to go anywhere near the knee area. You might just treat the TFL glute and the vastus lateralis, maybe throw in the, one of the hamstrings. Um, but you know, as like an IT band issue and that person, 10 minutes later, they're squatting in the treatment room and they have no pain. Um, we need to distinguish ourselves from that. I don't. I think we can't just say we do electric stimulation acupuncture because, like, that's like so many people, and they're not doing orthopedic assessment. They're not getting the same result, and that's not somebody that I'm going to send one of my relatives to if they're asking me for an acupuncturist in their area. So we need something else. Um, one thing that it had occurred to me was just coming up with a brand new term. Um, if you've heard of EMS, electric muscle, electrical muscle stimulation, there's a, there's a, um, interesting thing in, in, um, in gyms now like EMS workouts where they, you get in this full suit, um, that has the little, you know, like tens pads and in, inside. And there's a technician who will, who will activate the muscles that you're supposed to be, um, Training. So you have like light resistance bands or or weights or something. And then the technician cranks up the electric stim on your muscle to get like up to like 90% muscle fiber recruitment. And in 20 minutes, apparently, you're getting like six hours of workout on your body. So you're really only allowed to do one workout per week for quite a while till your body adjusts. And then even then, it's not really. Um, recommended to do more than two per week just because of the recovery time and because it's such an intense recruitment of those muscles. But the reason I mention that is because EMS has become really well known now in the world of fitness and, and even, I, th- I would say even in rehab, um, electric, uh, electrical stimulation of muscles. So uh, you know, maybe we want to talk about something like EMS acupuncture, like an electrical muscle stimulation acupuncture um, as opposed to something like motor points. Cause motor points means nothing to the average pain patient who's sitting in front of their laptop looking for somebody to help them. But I think if we were talking about something like electric muscle stimulation, maybe that would translate in the head of somebody who's having stiff neck or, you know, whatever sort of low back pain maybe that translates in their head to something I want to try. Um, but we, we need as a profession to come up with that terminology that nobody owns and that nobody can own and really be very open source about this information, really share it um, openly, discuss it, and you know, and uh, and continue to give credit to the the people who really did develop this information. The people that that physical therapists rely on, that the informa- you know, Yanda and Levitt are so important to how we do physical therapy now. Um, like it's just a given. I'm sure there are PTs, physical therapists, who have no clue that what they learned in school came from the Prague School guys but you know understanding you know, forward head placement or upper cross syndrome or anterior pelvic tilt and its effect on the way our bodies move and and eventually if you're in pain these are the these are the patterns that we need to rely on to look for where things have gotten too short too tight too weak and that are causing pain and and that's i mean we need to continue to get to learn that teach it and give the source uh, uh Vladimir Yanda and Carl Levitt those are the guys and they deserve the credit and when we're talking about trigger points we should be talking about Dr Travel and um and David Simons and you know <clears throat> um um you know Kelgren uh, was doing it before Travel and I am sure Kelgren deserves some credit there too um the Kelgren does not have the too thick um, volumes of trigger point pain referral patterns that I rely on and that I learned from. So I don't talk about Calgary much, but I'm willing to say, you know, if it hadn't been for him, I don't think that Janet Travell would have even known that a pectoral um, uh, trigger point could imitate a heart attack, which is what got her interested in myofascial pain. Um, but, you know, giving, giving all of the, the real, people who came up with this stuff credit is hugely important. And I think it's important for breaking down any sort of myth that there's somebody teaching today who, who created anything that's new. You know, you can put your spin on something. You can, you can find a way to teach it. You can find a way to discuss um, the, the, the assessment and treatment that, that you might find unique but it's not trademarkable because we're all using the motor points that, that have existed as long as humans and animals have walked on the earth. You couldn't have muscles without motor points. You wouldn't have you know neurological effects on the muscle if there weren't motor points. The fact that we know them and have a name um, we owe to someone like Duchenne and the doctors from the, you know, late 1900s, early 2000s, I mean, early 20th century, but, but the motor points themselves have existed as long as humans have walked the planet. So you can't own that. You don't get to own that. And when it comes to location of motor points you know, I prefer Aldo Peroto to anybody else, uh, but, you know, he doesn't own those motor point locations either. He's just really good at giving you um, motor points that overlap on most humans so that it will be accurate almost all the time because everybody has motor points that vary. But Aldo Peroto, you know, mapped out um, the location of these motor points in, in ways that are easy to remember. Usually they're midway on the muscle, Sometimes they're a third of the way on the muscle, but um, if you've been doing motor point um, stimulation with acupuncture uh, for a while, you know that you can pretty much put a needle almost anywhere in the muscle that you want to treat and get some sort of um, movement with your electric stimulation because motor points are all through the muscle. They're everywhere. So you can't own that. You can't own motor points and you can't actually own the location of motor points because those locations are all over the body and they've been mapped out since the 19th century. So so we can't own things. We can't own we can't even own segmental treatments or segmental stimulation. If you want to give it a name, that's fine, but you can't trademark it. Um, I guarantee you can't trademark it because the courts are always going to find for the the greater good of the community. Um, there are doctors who have tried to um, patent their specific surgical technique. and then they find out that the courts don't do that because they say that is not in the best interest of the, co- you know, the common good of the people. People need to be able to do this technique without paying you royalties so um, we can't own acupuncture and you can't own motor points and you can't own the electrical stimulation of motor points and you can't own orthopedic assessment of the shoulder or the hip girdle or any other part of the body you can't own that you can't own it you you can create your own fancy names, but you can't own it. So it is open source and we need to be ready to, to make sure that that all stays open source. Nobody can keep you from learning this information. And as far as I'm concerned, that's why I'm here doing um, podcasts and putting things on you know, YouTube or whatever, um, because I want people to see what we can do i want acupuncturists to feel inspired and excited to try something new and try to help their pain patients and try to do something different um, that can really be very effective for pain so that we're all getting great results so that there's a whole lot more people not living in pain and that that's going to require us coming up with some terminology that we all use because wouldn't it be great if your patient says, my mother who lives in San Diego, she, she's heard about the success that I've had. She wants to try it. Who should she see? And you want her to be able to just Google a term that is not proprietary, that, that anybody who knows how to help her will come up on her Google search. But we don't have that term yet, and we haven't agreed yet that it's okay to have a generic term that you know that there's no there's no person or, or personality assigned to that term. So we have a challenge, and I hope going forward that uh, the world of acupuncture will embrace a more orthopedic approach and that we will come up with a term that we all agree on so that when patients are in pain and they're they're looking for us, they know the term. And I don't want that to be dry needling. So I'm just putting it out there. It's a problem that we have. It's a challenge for our future. And um, hopefully, more generous souls out there who agree with me will want to to contribute to that journey and help come up with a term that we all use that will mean something to the person who's searching and that will best represent all of us who work in the field regardless of whom we learned from or how we blend orthopedics with traditional Chinese acupuncture or Japanese or Korean or Master Tongue or Dr. Tan, or whatever style you like to blend it with. And hopefully we will come to a place where we can all benefit from the successes of others being shared openly so you know, really, we come to that open source place where where our profession becomes the the rock solid um, place for how to how to treat successfully treat pain and mobility issues because everybody's sharing that information and then as they learn something new, helping update the community for free so that everybody benefits. Um, I. It's probably naive, but I'm hopeful. I think we can do it. I think we can get there. There's a whole lot of people who became acupuncturists because they want to help people. And if there are more people who think like I do, who are willing to be open and share information and help others um, to get great results, I think we'll get there but we're not going to get there if we don't have this conversation. If we don't even um, recognize that having the right terminology is essential for our prospective patients to know how to find what we want them to find. And hey, wouldn't it be great also if we could do that Google search and find somebody in you know Lansing, Michigan for one of our patients who wants their family member to be able to have the same benefits that they got from the treatment that you gave them. All right. So that's it for this week. Um, Hope you have a great week and I will talk to you soon.